Not heard the latest about pooping prime ministers? What podcast have you been listening to? Because it definitely isn't the Totally Buzz podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and totallybuzz.co.uk. So what are you waiting for? Tune in now to hear all the latest news from around the web on the Totally Buzzed podcast, the only place to be totes buzzed. Football beef! Disclaimer, the following is an opinion-based podcast. Hello, and welcome to part two of two of Football Beef's Premier League preview of the 2022-23 season. I'm Laura, your usual host of Football Beef, and the familiar voice you heard from part one. We're now breaking down the second half of the teams, so we, we did the first ten teams in alphabetical order in part one, we're now doing the rest of the Premier League, but instead of being joined by the Geordie Messiah John Scries, I'm joined by Tommy, the Professor of FM, Pittman. How are you doing, Tommy? I'm I'm good, I'm good, not not, not too bad, looking to use my, uh, my extensive foot football manager knowledge to to rip teams apart and tell them that they're bad i love the idea that we did do season one of beef and you and squiggy were probably the politer of the debaters very respectful bordering on football friends but both of you seem to have and got a wreck it out attitude towards the pro league which is quite odd considering you both got only select only select teams probably i'm I, i'm and i'm 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 being a little bit little bit jerk I, I won't be that harsh to too many of them i don't think no promises though five minutes later anyway we're gonna get straight to it obviously we're up to the l's which means we're gonna be kickstarting this part with leicester city and unlike leicester city we might actually get some signings done what no, we're not going to sign anyone. Leicester City finished eighth last season. As of recording, they haven't signed anyone. And a lot of their major hitters, like Madison and even Vardy, are getting transfer rumours about exits. So, Tommy, how would you feel about Leicester City going into the new season? Leicester are a bit of a weird one in general, because I think where they've over overachieved, which I don't think is like too much of a wild thing to say, sort of under Brendan Rodgers in the last couple of years, last year excluded, I feel like the expectations are quite high and like realistically eighth is probably where they should be finishing. I partly worry about them because of the lack of signings, particularly where Roger was saying that he kind of wanted like a squad refresh. I mean, you said now we've got Madison being linked away with Newcastle and Vardy being linked away. Tielemans has been linked with a move. Fofana? At least like gossip, but yeah, for Fana now as well. I think he's removed Leicester City from his bio just before we <laughs> recorded this, just to stir the uh, pot, apparently. So maybe some further developments there. I don't know. I just feel like last season they weren't as strong as the years before. Whether that's because of European football injuries, whether because of they missed Fofana for most of the season, which is obviously a, a big loss because even though he's only young, he's probably one of their best defenders. I know sort of like the full backs had injuries as well. Justin only just coming back from a bad injury. So it's it's just a really hard one to gauge, I think. Like if they get a couple of signings in to start refreshing the squad, which I kind of feel is almost dependent on them shifting a couple of players out. Whether that be yeah, whether that be Tielemans, the year left on his contract, or one of the other ones like Madison or Fafana for like sixty million plus, I kind of feel like they're almost waiting for that to happen. Or, or it feels like a lot of their sort of transfer business, their business model has been based on that, like selling Mara, selling Kante, selling Maguire for really big money. It's starting to feel a little bit like it could go the way that Rodgers' kind of last season and a half at Liverpool went. Well, not over a half season, he went in October when he when he got sacked, but 
like that kind of thing like a couple of like really good promising seasons of like building something and then it starts to fall away a little bit and then it kind of all goes wrong but i don't see them getting into any relegation trouble because i think even if they don't refresh the squad like i think that they're good enough to still finish in mid table but i reckon it'll probably be slightly below where they were last year maybe sort of closer to like slap bang in the middle of the table in in 10th potentially not that i can go through like a bunch of teams and go well they'll definitely finish above them or they'll definitely finish above them it just kind of feels like they'll be around that kind of area they feel kind of unprepared to me is basically when you look at them you're like well depending who they sell and when they sell them because i feel like they will put a limit on we need to sell this player by then if you don't we get so we get someone else in because we're talking like the money's coming in because i can't imagine them waiting to transfer deadline day and hypothetically newcastle go okay we'll pay 60 odd million and then them selling him and not having the time. Because I can't imagine, because that would completely cap him at the knees when you look at how many goals and assists he got last season and how key he is to them. Because even if you got someone in last minute, you're still a few games into the season at that point. Yeah. So it's a lot to ask. Yeah. But I look at Leicester City and on a greater scale than Fulham, but when even when you were talking, that I, I realised who they reminded me of. It is like... When Fulham were like pushing in that top 10, not as consistently as Leicester, because Leicester have done it, you know, top six, multiple yeah. seasons. But it was the idea that, that they felt they didn't need to improve the squad. They had a couple of signings, but it was the core squad. And then it's sort of the stagnation caught up on the team, like across the board. And all of a sudden, we like, you're looking at it going, we need a lot of changes. And I worry if Leicester are going to get to that point. Like we say, they have a good squad if they like, if no one went now, you'd be like, solid team, guaranteed Premier League, great, you know, good players you can rely on. Yeah. But then you're like, if this happens again next season and they don't get the signings through, like that's another season where you're like it's stagnated even more, and it's just it's that point where I worry about them and the progression of where they're going and can they kick on or how far down they would slip if they just continue to sit and sort of bide their time. They, they they need they need a bit of a refresh in the squad in the squad. I think if they have sort of aspirations of continuing to challenge for that that top six European places. I think there are, if if not like proper gaps now, there will be pretty soon. Like just with transfers needing to happen or, or, or aging players and things like that. I think they really, or, or, or even just sort of like with injuries and things like that, they're like their starting eleven. I think can be really good, but I think that's kind of where they fell down last season. Was that with European football and then some injuries coming in, it's very easy to have like a big drop off, which is it's very difficult for a team outside of the elite to have that squad that you can put a player in somewhere and. It's fine. It's, it's kind of like that. Like if Ndidi gets injured, there's like a big drop off. If Fafana is injured again, there's a big drop off. And a few of their players getting a bit older, there's maybe not quite that ability to bring somebody else in to know that you've got something for the future. So I think they'll be fine. Comfortable mid-table, probably into the top half, but not really much more than that. And I think I think you're right in terms of the transfers, that if they don't have an ex- what they deem like an acceptable offer for anybody by probably getting towards the end of next week, they're probably going to say nope they're not going anywhere because I think by that point you're looking sort of like mid-August you've played a couple of league matches you're kind of struggling to find somebody and, and anybody who's probably available and coming is kind of like a stop gap or not really somebody who's going to be of the level that they probably want or that Rogers probably wants. I think I agree with you there about the whole where they're going to finish and what they'll be. It's the edges of the top 10. You can see them. If they finish 12th, it'd be disappointing, but you're like based on like that sort of, they could end up 10th, 9th or just drop just below. But the other thing you touched on that I have to say is, you know, like about the depth of the 
squad that maybe the whole five substitution change might actually be quite noticeable with Leicester this year because that would be their top six rivals because I'd say that's where they actually aim on paper for the European places feel that's their ambition still even if they don't invest but that could change it because everyone they're competing with have quite deep squads and if you can use five subs and keep people fresh more Leicester aren't going to have that luxury of the same quality yeah, I mean well, they don't They don't have European football I mean that's like, also a benefit uh, but... a large chunk of their squad aren't going to go to the World Cup either because they've not qualified for, like their country hasn't qualified or they're just not going to be in the squad which will probably help them um, I think it's going to happen for most of the teams outside of like a cut of like three maybe four teams where the five something is noticeable that they're not using it or the drop off is massive like it's almost outside of probably like Liverpool and then maybe like Man United Man City like a couple of other teams I think even Man City sort of something their squad depth isn't amazing in places but I think outside of those you're not going to see five changes every game you're going to see sort of like a big drop off but I just think they're, they're very reliant on Jamie Vardy continuing to be a very very good finisher like Patson Dacker when he played last season did alright but he wasn't sort of like consistent consistently playing so maybe there'll be slightly more of a phasing out but again that's I would say something maybe to be slightly more concerned about for them in that you need to start phasing out somebody like Vardy or if he has more problems with injuries because I think last season was sort of when he really sort of started to struggle with it that then are you getting the goals other than maybe Madison kind of wonder strikes or Barnes hopefully going injury free and chipping in with a few more they are quite unlucky with injuries so we'll say because you'd like yeah. even v- Vardy, Madison, Barnes if you say they're the main three at the club currently like based on the form going in because I know there's other players there though really but even just the attacking options you look at them they're like they're all players I'm like they definitely had long term niggles they've had odd bits that yet like I remember spells of them missing it's not like I think well aren't they really fit footballers who stay and play yeah. all the game they'll, they'll be they'll be available every single match of the season unless they choose to rotate yeah I don't get that I'm Milner down, energy no. I know Milner mm. sometimes goes down with hamstrings but I swear to god that man's hamstrings rebound quicker than well Liverpool in games with their mentality <laughs> but it's that sort of energy that yeah, when they're out they're sure. out sort of vibe yeah. Shall we move on to the other team beginning with L that I'm sure you're going to have lots of praise for? Let's. So Liverpool, they finished second famously last season. I say famously, I don't know why I did it. I feel like I was just trying to add a little salt to that wound that's still there. But they were second. Obviously, they've made some notable signings. Darwin Nunes and Fabio Carvalho, your notable signings. I mean, you've also Got sent Alvin Ramsey in as well. Yeah, but... I wouldn't say he's notable, but because I don't expect him to be anywhere near your first team. But no, I think I, I think he'll I think he'll play the odd game, sort of rotating with Trent, sort of a, a little bit more, or maybe sort of especially with the five sub thing. I think he will be involved in the squad quite a bit, sort of to. If we're 3-0 up, 20 minutes to go, they'll put him on to spare Trent's legs a little bit. Him and Gomez will probably be sort of like the go-to backup right back. So I think I he'll be involved. Gomez could be like injured. I'm not wishing him back. Like it's just yes. also, there's the cover that I know he's had a new deal and I'm hoping he stays injury free and he has had a few minutes in pre-season and stuff. But you, you just, based on his last couple of campaigns, I wouldn't yeah, be like... Always a worry with him. Well, I guess the main question we should really kick off with is, do you feel like you've got more of a chance of winning the league title? I'm, I'm a bit more optimistic than I was last season just kind of with like the developments at other clubs as well I think obviously Man City is still going to be incredibly strong they are still the, the team to beat um, it's I don't expect as much of a push on like all four competitions just because I think with Mane Origi Minamino going like that's I mean you've kind of lost three and replaced them with Nunez and Carvalho so it's like down slightly down on numbers there unless sort of somebody else makes up like the, the step up 
But I think there's easily more than enough in the squad to push for the title. I'd say I... was missing a lot last season, so is he going to feel a bit refreshed? Yeah, well, he was in the team sort of quite a bit at the start of the season until he got injured. I think he would have been present quite a lot more throughout the season, sort of particularly sort of like to the latter half of it as well. No, I think the the most interesting thing, and I think probably the, what might be the difference between winning the league or coming second, whether that's a close second or a distant second, is probably going to be how Nunez settles in and then potentially some sort of like the fitness of that front three. Sort of Jota sort of tends to have an injury every now and then. Firmino was sort of relatively injury prone last season. If if Diaz and Salah kind of stay fit, that will be a big thing to keep them firing on, on all cylinders throughout. No, I think, I think definitely more than capable of winning the league and I wouldn't be surprised if Liverpool do end up winning the league and you can say I'm biased if you want to. Obviously not exactly the same because when the last time Man City beat Liverpool to the league by a point, sort of they then had sort of like problems the following season and obviously it wasn't exactly the same situation. But I think I think it the Liverpool squad is very much seem to be underclock the kind of team that uses that kind of disappointment to drive them on. And like I can't really see anything other than Liverpool and Man City being the top two and I think hopefully winning the league. I am leaning more towards back in Liverpool to win the league. I don't know what it is. It, it might be because the community shield happened and you look really sharp compared to Man City, but you can't really take that as like because of different pre-season schedules with the whole how many games you went in sharper and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's is just glorified pre-season game, really. I don't like that term, but you know, people the both teams want to win it. I don't care what they say, but it's that sort of they're not firing on all cylinders. They're still Yeah, it's not the kind of thing that you can really draw anything from, I don't think. You know, there's still an idea who's sharper, but so mm. but yeah. I mean, there's something about Liverpool and everything surrounding them. It just feels like even with Mane gone, like that should have been a big deal. If you know what I mean? Like if any other team in the Premier League lost a player like Mane after how we ended last season as well, I think there was games where he really come through for you when you needed him. Yeah. Especially when Salad's form dropped off from, I'd say, January? Oh, yeah, the so African like Fe- February when he, when they came back from yeah. um, the African Cup of Nations. I feel I like think... you'd be panicking, but for some reason, given the business and the way it is, I don't feel that. I feel still as confident as if yeah, you still I think, there. I think what part of it is is that it, it feels like there's sort of, obviously, you're, you're in, in any fan base, you're going to have fans who are unhappy about the transfer business. And I feel like maybe just given kind of the injury record of some midfielders, there might be there's an argument to be made for potentially needing another one but I, I think it's it's largely like a massively positive kind of energy kind of or, or like atmosphere coming from Liverpool and I think part of that is because of the fact that you know, Nunez was sort of wrapped up so quickly and he is you know an exciting player and he's the kind of player that I think Liverpool fans and players will really enjoy like if, if Mane had gone there'd been no progress on like a striker coming in maybe if they hadn't gone for Nunez and Man United had, had gone for him something like that then I, I think it would be a lot less positive but then with Salah having a new contract and all this stuff it just feels very positive and I think that's a big thing particularly for Liverpool I think a lot of it for depending on who wins this title is going to come down to partly who is lucky with injuries and then how teams and players respond following the World Cup and I think Liverpool are quite lucky in that some of their key players either probably won't play at the World Cup because either, again their country hasn't qualified or Part it might not setup. yeah or they might not be involved that much and also just the fact that Salah isn't going to the World Cup that I think a lot of what happened for him last season was like a very emotional second half of the season losing the African Cup of Nations on penalties not qualifying for the World Cup again 
on penalties. Constantly reminded of it every day you go into training. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then and then the, the contract situation, like he was absolutely wrecking the league in the first half of the season, massively dropped off in the second, I think because he was like, that was kind of in his head and he was trying to make up for it almost. But I think now without that, without a World Cup, with a new contract sorted, I think There's no excuses, might, there's no distractions. Or it, it might end up being the difference. Like yeah. if he's sort of as focused and brilliant as he was at the start of last season, without having those other things in the middle of the season where he's going to have two and a half weeks off the rest in the middle of the season essentially rather than playing a game every three days at that point or or being off at the African flying off the African Cup of Nations and coming back I think that could be quite a big plus for Liverpool it's even the motivation when you look at it especially a player like Salah who I feel like wants to be number one in the world you know like wants like it's kind of like when you look at Ronaldo he's like he wants to be number one you can see why he's gone on to do all the Ballon d'Ors and that because it's like he wants to do well for his team obviously but it's also like I want to prove that I'm the best yeah even even more than the rest of the squad i think salah is really driven by those like accolades yeah and, and desires and wanting to kind of almost prove people wrong like he went off injured in the champions league final against real madrid in 2018 he was brilliant again the next season we came incredibly close to winning the league and we won the champions league lost the league by a point 2018-19 again we won it the following year salah was very very good disappointing season the one just before last and he was like right we're doing better this season and he was brilliant at the start like i feel like those failures if you can call them that fuel him kind of yeah, exactly it's the same one because I'm thinking this once even if he goes really well into the World Cup everyone goes away everyone else gets the headlines because they're at the World Cup and he'll like not take that personally in that sort he's of thing, but be, yeah. the ball. when they come back he's like look I'm going to show you what I, I should have been at that yeah. World Cup let me show not you how quite, good I can fucking not be not quite sitting there stewing but he'll sit there and go cool Premier League starts up in two weeks I'm going to get a hat trick in that first game yeah. like that's kind of the My attitude my going to be on everyone's lips again and everyone yeah, will be like exactly. he's a Ballon d'Or winner that's how I see it yeah which now we're going to go probably to the I mean we both agree on this it's the title rivals it's going to be Liverpool v Man City I don't see that top two being broken so let's talk about Man City now obviously notable signings you may have missed it Harlan Calvin Phillips Alvarez I mean they've signed other but I'd highlighted them as the three I'm only doing notable signings because there's a certain team that have signed too many players they know who they are for when we get to them but I mean they're free team of trees (laughs) it's a team of trees but basically I mean how uh, Harland and Phillips I mean they're huge players huge fees spent difference makers I'm not sure about Phillips as much but Harland should be like the thing that every, every season it's always been Man City need an out and out striker Man City need an out and out striker ever since the Aguero's injury problems and his eventual departure ever since, ever since yeah, yeah. I think Phillips is good because it gives them the chance to rest Rodri a bit more and they've then got somebody with actual legs that work properly like not saying that Fernandinho's legs don't work properly just that he was 35 and in my head he's just running really weird like yeah what are you doing um, obviously Haaland's a phenomenal striker like he will score goals like I know that he missed a couple of chances in the community shield but he had the chances he will score goals I think the thing that with Man City is that regardless of what happens they're going to be first or second I, do, I can't see them dropping off from there There's just because no of the players they've got and because Guardiola is such a good manager the only thing that makes me think that maybe they're I wouldn't say not as strong as last season but I think the players they've lost are actually quite important for how they would want to play 
in their squad and also having Haaland in is a very different type of player to what they've had up front like not that that's obviously going to be a bad thing because he will probably score 20 plus goals in the league but where they've been set up so much to like play with that false nine it's a very different thing to adjust to both for Haaland and for the rest of the Man City players that is a good point I guess it's a certain point and they don't haven't had many pre-season games to adjust because that's just the way Pep likes it so yeah and because I think you're sort of nursing a bit of a not going into it so I think I think that not that it's an issue it's just something that might mean that they're not like uh, just either at the start or click and gel and there might yeah. be an opportunity for them and other teams who are on yeah, the ball to take advantage yeah or that there might just be certain matches where it just doesn't quite look right or it doesn't quite click in the way issues. that yeah and I think as well like I said the players they've lost like I think Sterling is a massive loss for them because I don't think any of the players they've got in wide positions offer the same kind of threat that he does Gabriel Jesus was a very useful squad player to have I guess Alvarez is probably kind of replacing him as like a squad option you can play wide he'll play down the middle um Sinchenko, I think was is a little bit of a loss until they actually officially well, replace him but yeah without another fullback they're a little bit light like they've realistically in terms of kind of like actual fullbacks they've got Kyle Walker and Cancelo who by the way should be banned for the whole season for wearing the number seven as a fullback it should not be allowed I have very strong feelings on this get him kick him out the Premier League not not allowed no bias from a Liverpool fan who might benefit from Man City being cancelled or anything wear any other not any other number because if you were number nine that would almost be worse but it's like when William Gallas had number 10 as a centre-back it should just not be allowed yeah like outside of those to at the moment they're either playing young player or they're playing John Stones or Ake at right back or left back and Ake gives and me that, that and... nervous feel I don't know what it is because I used to like him at Bournemouth but when he's a Man that, City but... shirt something's wrong yeah but that, that then just leaves them like in the centre of defence because like Fernandinho would occasionally drop in there so if you get Walker Dat, Walker or Cancelo out with an injury okay we move Ake over to left back then your centre backs are Ruben Diaz and Laporte and then if one of them goes down you're kind of stuck so I kind of they, they definitely need another, at least one other fullback maybe even two more who knows I think mm. there are the type of deals they can get done last minute though not, not last minute but they can take yeah, it closer but, because they're like yeah. but they can cope without them but they're also like yeah yeah, I, I think as well, if if there's somebody who's going to like put a player in another position like that and they're going to do brilliant, it, it probably is going to be Guardiola because Zinchenko wasn't a fullback before. Obviously, Can, Cancelo, like, he did play both sides, but the way that he plays now is very much influenced by Guardiola. So I don't think they would be like, find it too difficult, but it would be a slight concern, I think. But yeah, I mean, you go through this, the squad, it's all going to be very good. But like I say, sort of Sterling, I think, is maybe going to prove to be a bigger loss than it looks to start with. Like, just because I think he, he's very different to the other ones they've got. Like, Mars is probably the closest they've got to that in terms of, like, maybe sort of like, well, Foden's pretty quick as well. But I just think that they, they'd like to operate in very different ways to Sterling. I see and Foden I think more central. Is. I'm not sure what that is in my head. I know he. Oh, I, th- I think he'll primarily play on, on the wings. And then what I imagine will be the go-to if Haaland is injured or they decide he's a rest is that they'll play a false nine again 
I think Alvarez will primarily be used as sort of like a on sort of like the wings. Or I mean, when they played in the Community Shield, he was playing very close to Haaland. It was almost more like a four four two. So they might go for that. But I feel like they'll go back. Like their plan B is going to be what they've done before in terms of having like a false nine with probably Foden. The luxury of there. plan B though. How mm. to be Man City? Yeah. Right. Plan A is Erling Haaland. Uh, and if we if if we if that goes wrong for any reason or if he's injured, plan B is what we did to get ninety was it ninety four points, ninety three points last season, something like that, something insane. and and win the league the year before that. It's not about and, plan B, is it? Yeah, exactly. Like I I can't see there being like a massive drop off. I would say maybe we. Well, I thought this was going to be the case last season that we wouldn't see like two teams on ninety plus points missing out by a point. Like I thought it'd probably be lower than that last season, but particularly with the World Cup, maybe we'll see like mid to high 80s winning it this time, potentially. I don't feel like either of Liverpool and Man City will be quite as sort of imperious as they have been in previous seasons, but I still think they'll definitely be the top two and I don't see like a massive drop off from either of them. All right, we're going to move to the other side of Manchester and probably a fan base that would be hoping to be in the conversation for the top two in the league, but I think we're both going to not put them there no. based on what we've said already. Manchester United obviously finished six last season notable signings already on martinez who sky sports got obsessed with his height for a center back which was the weirdest sort of coverage i've ever seen of a player's transfer ericsson and malassia so they would probably say notable signings. obviously they could be getting more business done because let's be honest the the young's been linked since day one and we're still is he isn't he could he maybe who knows but man united what are you, what are you feeling optimistic about them going in do you think i mean and there's also the whole ronaldo gate which is like a whole saga in itself i think they'll be better than last season just because they have a manager who the fan base are kind of excited about and it sounds like the players sort of are enjoying a little bit more i would be surprised if they weren't pushing closer to being in the top four i don't know if they'll get it just because especially now with some of the signs the other teams have made it's so competitive now i think like just to try and get in, into that top four so i think they'll be better because again i think ten Hag is probably going to prove to be a better manager than solskjaer was oh, he'll almost certainly be a better manager for man United than rangnick was because that just didn't work that was a horrible um, experiment that went it was that went very everyone. very badly but i i just kind of don't really understand what they've done in the transfer market i think it's probably the best way to describe it i mean like, they've prioritized positions i don't think they would should have prioritized like martina like i get you need they wanted some debt but then i don't think you go all out with the money they have yeah that, that, and, that, and that and that's kind of what i mean like i think he's been bought because ten Hag knows him and he wants a specific thing from his center backs which is that's fair fine. enough because you want to put your stamp be able to play the style that you're comfortable with yeah and sense yeah particularly where Varane had injury problems last season there might be concern about that Maguire's form wasn't particularly good Lindelof is decent but again with the World Cup they're probably like okay well we want something more but it, it wouldn't have been the kind of thing that I would have necessarily expected them to go and spend what was he sort of around 50 million something like that yeah you um, feel it's at the top end where you look at their striking options I mean this is before even Ronaldo kicked off I mean I wouldn't even go up I would, I would have gone straight to the midfield like I the mean, centre no, 
midfield. I because I at the striker that's... options and was like, where do I think Man United will get their goals? Again, I think with like a proper sort of system of play and, and patterns of play, I think Sancho will do a lot better this season than he did last season. I think Rashford will be better than he was last season because it's hard for him to be worse. And like, um, also, I will say, he did have them injuries mount He seemed to always be playing for injuries and niggles and yeah, everything like that. I'm... Never given full rest time. And now it's like, no, you've rested, you've had yeah. surgeries, you're back, your head's I mean, focused. Yeah. I mean, they, they definitely, I think it just comes down to if Ronaldo leaves or not. Because I think if they and where decide. And where's head at if let... he stays? Yeah, I think if he stays, then I think at a certain point he will just like buckle down and get on with it because I don't, like, as much as he very much would throw his toys out of the pram, I don't think he would like want to jeopardise his entire reputation as a footballer for that reason. Like, if he's at Man United, he'll want to score, he'll want to try and be the golden boot winner in the Premier He'd League. He'd want the records and that because then obviously exactly. it's not gonna, if he can't get a move now that he wants ideal, he's not going to get one if he does like three goals and no all exactly. that. Exactly. Well, gonna... Yeah, very unlikely to move in January because it'd be more unlikely that Man United would buy somebody in January. So he'll still be the like scoring the majority of their goals once he's up to speed fitness wise in the team I'm never going to get tricked by Anthony Martial I refuse to believe that's uh, going to be a thing I think yeah. I feel bad enough that I'm like I think Rashford's going to have a good season that feels risky enough for me to say I've even put in my fantasy football team as it stands to put money with Matt but Martial I, I can't buy into it because I feel like I've seen this play repeatedly and it's always had the same outcome happy yeah. for him to prove me wrong but if you're relying on him to be a new big goal source yeah so I think Ronaldo will score goals it, it's Cristiano Ronaldo even when Man United were crap last season and there's potentially an argument made that there's issues because Ronaldo is Ronaldo so obviously he is it the demands of the team his success potentially like because he you know, he, okay. he does demand the spotlight because he is Ronaldo and that's understandable you know if I was arguably the greatest goal scorer of all time I would probably demand the spotlight as well and want my pl- want my teammates to pass me the ball whenever they can as a natural urge I think for them to do that I think there just needs to be some kind of idea of like succession planning and to be able to like see see a team developing in a style of play with or without Ronaldo for up front because I think even if they don't buy another striker this summer which I don't think they will unless Ronaldo leaves or if they do it's going to be like somebody to very much rotate play the odd game here and there who's the Watford guy they ended up with before his name uh, Odion Agarlo I feel like they could end up with someone like that. Maybe, cool. yeah. But I just think that, yeah, the mi- the midfield is just baffling still that nothing's been done about that in the last four years since they signed Fred. Probably something like that. Maybe three years. It's in- it's... Fred feels like he's been there a lifetime, to be honest. The way rate I see him moaned about. I'm pretty sure he joined in like 2019 because I think he was he was like a Mourinho signing and yeah. and I think Man City were meant to be after him. 2018. Like, I, I can't think of any other, like, well, they signed Van der Beek, who barely played. Played, but they just I feel like they haven't addressed like what the midfield needs I like it, it doesn't necessarily... every season I see the fan base try and tell me that Scott McTominay is like the real deal big time player I, I, I do think he's better than some people say yeah I, I think, think as, harsh stick, as a squad option but I don't think I should be going he's, yeah he shouldn't be like he's one of the first names on the team yeah. in midfield he shouldn't be like leading I, the way yeah. it's... I mean I might be proven wrong because I'm not always right despite what I may claim but I think Arsenal are kind of the best example of this they went 
went into last season with Shaka and Thomas Partey as their like two central midfielders, like to to start games really, which is a, you know a decent pairing. I would say it's probably better than Fred and McTominay. Obviously they've got Pogba, or well, they had Pogba last season. They don't have him now, but you know uh, I would say that's like not maybe not quite comparable because I think Fred and McTominay are maybe slightly worse than Shaka and Partey. But then outside of that, they're what Elneny. Like I'm yeah. really struggling to think of who else yeah, and Odegaard going deeper. Like it's it and and Arsenal end up finishing fifth, not just because of the midfield, but you know they had injuries elsewhere. They had injuries in the midfield, so they couldn't rest players. They didn't score enough goals, whatever. Those I people feel like that shouldn't feel like guaranteed starters could rest. Yeah, their exactly. If you want to play at a Champions League level, I feel like they need better players. It might be enough to just scrape them into the top four, but I wouldn't have faith in it. And like I said, spending almost fifty million on a centre back, like I think Martinez can play as like a defensive midfielder, which might be where he ends on, up. Might be, but based on pre-season and what I've seen, particularly from Karl Anker, who is magnificent and everybody should follow him, he has been very much playing at left centre-back and he's been well, Ten Hag wants like a left-footer deep for ball progression and passes. And sometimes Alex Telles has played as either a defensive midfielder or a left centre-back. But I very much think that that's where Martinez is going to be playing rather than as defensive midfielder. And then I guess if you're not convinced by Telles, which I don't think many people probably were, then fine, you need another left-back. But I just feel like it's just... And I know they've been going for Frankie, Frankie de Jong, but I just don't know that that's necessarily, the, again, the cut. Like, he's definitely a good central midfielder and would definitely help them because I think he is a, an upgrade on Fred and McTominay and Van der Beek. But I just feel like they need somebody else. Like, I'm not saying that every team needs to have, you know, just a, somebody aggressive to go in and win the ball and things like that. But You want certain I, different types of I, midfielders to tick the box to give yourself options. Yeah, which I think I what just... you're getting at a bit more where you don't want every midfielder who's a certain type. Not lightweight. Yeah. Lightweight's not the word that I want to use because I think it's a harsh word but it's that sort of you have your midfielders yeah. you have your vision your creative pass and like your yeah. Ericsons who's going to come in add a little creative and really trying to link mm. forward but he's not the midfielder who's going to be like winning the ball even then so like, I think I think I think De Jong would be a good a good signing for them and I think him and Fred like if you have De Jong to sort of like carry the ball forward and pass and Fred to kind of shuttle around and make himself a nuisance I don't think that would be that bad but I just feel like they, they need something else like whether it is somebody to be like a proper screen which now that Pogba's left they probably don't need but they probably needed when he was at the club that would have got um, the best out of him yeah what would have helped them whether they need that kind of player now it's obviously going to very much come down to what Ten Hag wants I and I it's... don't know that he necessarily had that type of player at Ajax that was just purely like destructive but I think you need somebody like probably like they probably need somebody like that because I don't know their defence has sometimes been a little bit frail and I think something like that can help them it's a certain point where you could expose him with a ball over the top if you get it past Maguire with the pace and stuff like that sounds a bit harsh I'm not picking on Maguire because I do think he gets enough slack his own way but there's certain points where you could have pinpointed weaknesses and stuff like that but who knows I mean I think the problem is also that the fact that while Man United looks solid like you know like this will do sort of energy that you're sort of implying it's because everyone else who they're competing with top six has also sort of increased their strength yeah and done really good stuff like Arsenal and Tottenham I have more faith in both of them yeah do better which yeah means... i would i would agree with that i think like i said i think man united will will be better this season because they have a, a manager now who isn't like just vibes which is kind of what Solskjaer <laughs> felt like just vibes, man. and and he, I, obviously there's more to it than that like you know he 
was there for a few seasons. He got them into the Champions League. He he did what he needed to do. But it, it feels more like Ten Hag is somebody who is going to have a system and actually get his players playing the way that he wants them to. And they will have some kind of structure to work with, which I think will benefit them massively. But I think I agree that sort of like Tottenham and Arsenal in particular have done more to strengthen and improve. They were already above Man United last season. I can't see a reason why they would be below them this season based on the squad that they've got. But I think it's going to put it. It will be closer. They will be closer to the top four. And if they get fortunate with injuries, when you've got somebody like Ronaldo, you've always got somebody who's going to score 15 plus goals, if not 20 plus goals in a season. So, yeah. I think Man United are looking at Chelsea. I did predict that I think Chelsea might miss out on the top four. Well, I said they would miss out on the top four in part one. So it is that kind of, they're probably the like weakest bit even then. Chelsea, they're like, well, I'm looking at them. I'm still like, you know what? I'd still back them against Man United. And I think until I can confidently put them above, I'm like six might be actually a good repeat for them. Is, yeah, it, I think this is kind of the way that it has always felt with the like the Champions League places that like the teams that finished outside of it last season, even when they improve, they need one of those teams to have a bad year. And it's even when Liverpool had a bad year, they managed to scrape their way back into it somehow. I just kind of feel that for Man United at the moment to get into the top four, I think they need at least one, if not two of last season's top four to kind of not fall apart, but have quite a big drop off. Because I think if one of them does, then Arsenal probably a better place to take that spot. I would agree with you that Chelsea seem to be in the worst position in terms of maintaining what they did last season, but even so, they've still got very good players and Tuchel is a good manager, so you wouldn't be surprised if they still finish in the top four. So it's just very difficult. For Man United, Tottenham and Arsenal, I don't think this season coming should be, maybe even Chelsea as well, should be regarded as a disaster or a failure by their manager if they don't finish in the top four. I mean, we'll move to Newcastle United now because I feel this is a good segue because I think these are one of the teams that Man United should probably keep one eye on because they finish 11th last season. Yes, the very notable signings are Botman and Pope, which, you know, they might do more business. I do think they're going to lack a strike and we can talk about that, but maybe Newcastle or someone who have now got their eyes on the prize to get into that top six, top four, which could be someone Man United should be wary of. Not yet. I think if they'd gone to like really fucking big in the transfer window, then maybe. But even then, I would still suggest that there's sort of a couple of years before they're in that position. I think I, I'm pleasantly surprised at how kind of sensible they seem to be being like they're not splurging like ridiculous fees on people if they pay 60 million or so for James Madison that might be a different discussion to be had but like they've not gone like mad targeting like really high profile players to try and get into the top four because I think it needs to be like a gradual build I don't think they'll be anywhere near the top four I don't think they'll be near the top six I think they'll end up finishing around the same place they did last season I think the aim should be to finish in the top half maybe aiming for sort of like around eighth something like that which if they get in another attacker or sort of like creative player wide player something like that they probably will be able to but I don't think the top six will at the moment be looking over their shoulder being like oh Newcastle we'd better watch out for them because they're they're coming for our place I think it's been more like West Ham if they're wanting to challenge for the top six or Leicester trying to get up there I think it's more those teams that would be having one eye on Newcastle I just don't think they've done enough to revamp their squad to push up there but again like with Liverpool I think the positive atmosphere at the club is a big thing for them like you kind of saw it once the takeover happened and then when Bruce went like Bruce went and then came in exactly Def Can 4 like it was it was just such like a massive change for the club in terms of the atmosphere I think that was a big 
part of what pushed them up the table. Like, I think a lot of the Arsenal players or some of the fans that have said, or the Newcastle players well, have said, like, for the match against Arsenal at the end of the season, that was a big thing, was was that change in atmosphere and, and lots of, like, the atmosphere at the club in the stadium at that point. So I think getting another attacker, like, a good attacker this summer, push themselves forward and they'll be in sort of, like, a good place to get into the top half. See, I'm a little bit more faith. It might be because someone's been, you know, feeding me cans and I've been listening to their hype and we can play his audio clip right now, the Newcastle fan, if we go to John J. Squires right now for his opinion. Why I, man? I think it's to be proper mint, like, no, seriously, I, I think we're going to have a, I don't want to, I don't want to get carried away, but I think we're going to have a very good season. Obviously, my only worry at the minute is we don't have a striker if Callum Wilson gets injured. Chris Wood, you know, he, he, he did his job when he came in last season, but he's not, he doesn't score goals. He doesn't score enough goals for it, for where we probably want to be. Again, I'll be, I'll be very happy with top 10. I'll happily take anywhere in the top 10. I'm not one of those Newcastle fans. Oh, we're going to qualify for the Champions League. I happily take top 10. Obviously, we've brought in Botman, who's, he's been described as a Rolls-Royce defender. And I think provided he gets the right partner, he'll be fantastic. And obviously, bringing Target in permanently, who was outstanding last year. And bringing in Nick Pope as well, you know, he's a good goalkeeper. Dubravka, he has his fitness issues. And as Laura keeps reminding me, he has his uh, catching issues from the Euros. So Pope, Pope's a really good sign. We're just really a striker and pro- probably a winger. I know we've been linked with a couple of wingers and midfielders, so we'll have to see what we can what we can get over the line before the end of the window but uh, I'm hoping that this is the first season where the, the threat of relegation is long gone and to be honest you ask any normal Newcastle fan and that's just what they want they just don't want to have to worry about relegation and you know we can finish top 10 build on that from the season after just keep building from that that's all I really really want if I want to be greedy I'd like to challenge you know the top the top six but I don't think we're there yet I don't think we're ready for that thank you Jonathan Squires for that input pretty much probably live from outside St. James's Park. Season yeah, two get I'm, older. I'm stood there right now just waiting for waiting for any Newcastle player to come in and just be like, no way, and get a photo with them. With that in mind, I do think they're just one striker, maybe short, and then I'm ready to jump on the track. I just think relying on Callum Wilson is the only big doubt I have on them. Not because I don't think Callum Wilson's good and can score all the goals. I think he's, you know, I think he's a great player, especially Premier League level, and you can trust him. It's just once if he gets injured, which he can have a habit of doing, where am I getting my goals from, guys? But then Almiron's had a great preseason, Tommy. No, don't get sucked into the preseason <laughs> hype train, you ball um i mean they've still got chris wood but whether and it just didn't seem to work for him last season where that's that good i was gonna say big hesky energy but i feel we're being quite a little bit harsh on hesky but it's that guy where you're like he does everything but score this is more near the He's, he's done he's done relatively well for Burnley in the past, sort of scoring goals. I just think it's probably just sort of like a, a obviously like a change of club, a change of system. Yeah, I think without another, like I say, either a striker or a, or a good effective winger, I think they are potentially lacking a bit of like cutting edge. Wilson will score goals when he's fit, but you can also kind of expect that he will be out for what six to eight weeks at least yeah. and miss probably like seven eight matches, maybe something like that. Either with sort of like bigger injuries or like little niggles. It's the same with St. Maximum as well, isn't it? Little niggles. Yeah, and even then sort of like he's not like I wouldn't describe St. Maximum as effective. <laughs> like he's a he's, very good it, dribbler. It's the decision making at the end sometimes. He's one of yeah, the most the, frustrating players to watch. The, you're like, the, you watch the final pass, the yeah. final shot. Yeah. So when I he wouldn't should shoot, he should pass, and when he should pass, he shoots. And when Yeah, and I wouldn't expect him to like carry the goal scoring burden. Um obviously they do end up getting James Madison. I 
think that's a very good signing for them, partly because it weakens somebody that they, I think, should be looking at as initially a direct rival, but also it adds a bit of creativity and another goal-scoring threat. Because I think, if again, if Madison stays fit, I think he gets you probably eight, nine, maybe ten goals in the league. Double-digit. Good set-piece taker. I think it, it would be a good a good move for Newcastle. But I think mid-table, maybe a slight worry that they could get kind of, not necessarily sucked into a relegation battle, but get a kind of... Season. There'd be a bit where they go five games without yeah, winning they, by yeah, because they don't I, get the goals. I think, yeah, they, they could kind of be stuck around 13th, 14th potentially, just because, again, so like I think there was obviously a big improvement last season, sort of when Howe came in in the second half season, and I'm assuming they're hoping for more of like a defensive improvement with Botman coming in with Pope in goal, like Trippier and Target being more settled and Dan Byrne being settled and things like that. But I don't know. I just kind of feel like there's it's not going to stay at that sort of like level that it probably did last season. I think. I think they will end up in mid-table, but there might be sort of like a bit of like a, a wobble or a drop-off from sort of like the, the high that they ended last season on, I think. I'm going to be surprised if they finish any lower than eight. That's what I'm going to... I think they might be able to push on, but I'm also banking on them getting some last-minute business done because I don't know why. You'd be surprised if they didn't just because of the money that they, they now have. I know they're being really strict on, you know, not trying to overpay and be taken advantage of, but I just... If you have the cash and it comes down to sign this player and you could be like competing at a different level yeah i feel that going on to win a trophy you pay up because yeah. it pays itself back but i'm i'm gonna say i'll be shocked if they don't finish eighth or higher that's progress for me we're gonna move on to a team that i'm expecting to be in the relegation battle do i think they get relegated i think i probably said in part one i've got about six teams going down just to make myself feel better about a certain team but do you think there will be relegation contenders a wild (laughs) a wild rule mid-season where actually we're getting rid of six teams this season not just three much because everyone's doing but we're going to talk about nottingham forest now fourth in the championship obviously came up by winning the playoffs notable signings obviously they've basically signed a whole new squad so i've just picked out a few you may have noticed that Lingard has danced his way to the tricky trees Nico Williams uh, Dean Henderson as a new keeper because they lost Samba and Awon how would you say his name I was waiting for you to try and pronounce him I believe it's Taiwo Awoni I could be wrong. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I look at it and I'm like, I just see panic. But obviously powerful forward connections to a certain club that you're familiar with. So how are you feeling about Forrest and their new look? I mean, it's really hard to judge them on the basis of a lot of these players are coming in. It's their first taste of Premier League football and there's a lot of settling. Or a lot of them just weren't there last season. So it's hard to go, I know what this Nottingham Forest team with these players is going to do. Um, They're a bit of a wild card, really. Yeah, a little bit. I think it's going to be interesting to see how all of these players settle and how many of them kind of go straight into the team you would imagine that a decent chunk of them will because there's a, a lot of players that they've signed like i in terms of like players that i would reckon would be in the first team or sort of their first 11 it feels like a whole new team. i reckon there's probably like at least six or seven yeah. that they've bought that are probably straight into their first 11 and then you've got to look at other people being rotated in quite heavily sub depth definitely getting subbed on the 16 you know what i mean like that yeah sort of depending on form and fitness and intellect yeah. i mean the team I kind of feel like out of the teams that have come up and you're probably very unhappy with me for saying this not quite as unhappy as you would have been if I said it would be Bournemouth but I feel like Forest could potentially be the Brentford Leeds like that, that team that comes up and does well no I get uh, that because I think they've signed I say this 
I think they've signed really good players. They haven't just yeah. signed for the sake of it. Because I will defend them on this, because there has been the comparison when Fulham come up and signed all them players the time before, is because we lost a lot of our squad because we had loans and people that we were just I mean, letting go. About this. But it's more the fact that when Fulham come up, we had to get, we got lost players on loans and, and there was a lot yeah. of turnover to get in. Forrest have been the same, because you've got to remember mm-hmm. that Forrest basically got into the playoffs, kind of like Fulham did that season where it was our second half of the season we were completely changed team and out of nowhere we're like playoff playoff winners and they had the same but on a more drastic scale because they were relegation contenders in the championship yeah. and then Steve well, I mean, they were relegation contenders until Steve Cooper came yeah. in really weren't they and it's insane they were awful under Chris Hewton weren't they yeah so there's that sort of quick turnaround and then it's on top of that players leaving like they lost Samba the goalkeeper uh, Graven yeah. said no to a new contract I don't think he would have played much it would have been just like a, trying to keep the unit together and the squad and keep sort of that that leadership that yeah. experience around so, the team there is a certain point where i don't think they've just signed for the sake of it people go oh they've signed too many players they're gonna do a fulham all that i don't think it is because people don't seem to take into account fulham needed to sign that many players because of just how unprepared their squad I was i don't think it's so much like the, a, that way. like a, an, an attack to say that they've signed too many players that like fulham did or something like that because like you said they need to fulham they, needed to. yeah it's, if you, have, you don't look at it like, sometimes if, if you have three players in the team who are on loan for example and then you've got another three players who their contracts are expiring or something like that or you know that they're just not good enough for the Premier League on top of the ones that you sort of lose like you're there exactly. you, yeah. you're going to need a lot of turnaround you, yeah you're going to need to sign seven eight players I think even Aston Villa did it when they came up like they signed a load of players they spent a lot of money and then they bought more players in January when they were struggling like it's just something that you most of the time you have to do and you can look at the other end of it Marco Silva complained that Fulham haven't signed enough, enough. players and we signed I'm pretty sure Scott Parker has been saying the same kind of thing about 100%. this team is not ready for the Premier League. <laughs> like, with the players they've got, you've got to do that. So I think it does just come down to how they settle, like, the, as a team. If you look at percentages, you're going to have to expect a few of them not settle quickly or yeah. not settle at all, because it's just how it works. You know, some player might be good at Forest, but he wasn't good elsewhere or vice versa. It's just how transfer yeah, exactly. it doesn't click. So you've got to look at yeah. Look at it, and they'll be like, "Well, out of all these players, Forest signed five failed." But you look at how many they signed, you're like, "Well, I'd take five failing." Yeah, I think yeah, it's going to come down to how they settle, and I think particularly how their sort of like attackers do, because I feel like with teams that go down, it's very Goals. easy for them to like go sort of like quite into their shell and defensive, and like be maybe not good, but keep clean sheets things like that, like do that quite well, but then not be able to attack well enough. Yeah, and then the draws don't gonna add up enough. Up. Yeah, exactly. You yeah, you sure you you kept a bunch of clean sheets and you drew six games nil nil you drew a couple others one one two two something like that you, you don't won push on and take risks in games where you should get wins and the, or you get caught off because you then try to push for it because you know you get to a point yeah. where you're like you, you need wins not don't draws have that, or you don't have that player who is going to score goals so i think if awani and lingard settle into the team well and start well and Brennan Johnson shows the same kind of ability in the Premier League in the, in the Championship I think quite possibly 12th 13th something like that I don't expect it to be plain sailing for them I think they very much could be like those other teams that have come up and have started really well and they look like they're going to be fine they're going to be safe like as well because I think Brentford vibe. yeah particularly winning the promotion by the playoffs like that's I think a lot of the time can be like a really big thing of or it's either that or it's like, oh my God, he finally got promoted. 
likely. You said Brentford win the playoffs? Yeah, 100%. Like, you have that, oh my God, we've finally done it. We've lost the playoff finals before. We've come close and Leeds, however many years out of the Premier League, Forest, even longer. Like, you have that massive, oh my God, we're here and the atmosphere is amazing and they do really well at the start, but then they kind of tail off. I could very much see that happening for Forest, that they do really well, like, pick up a couple of surprising wins here and there to start the season or, you know, hold one of the big teams to a draw at home and then, again, not starts to fall apart, but there's a drop off it, and they it, go six games lucky. without winning yeah you have to get lucky with your fixtures sometimes because mm. i'm switched it to norwich last season i know they ended up putting up more of a fight near the end like dean smith come in and they tried but you already felt like they were swimming against the tide sort of energy yeah. but at least it was positive but it was like how their season started off with awful fixtures and it's like they had the morale kicked out of them already and it's that mindset if forests get hammered yeah. not lose losing is like, fine I, well, it's not you know great and ideal but you know what i mean like settling time if they lost say the opening five games it's how quickly can you get your chins up you know what that sort of energy yeah but it's that as well i think comes into it it sounds really weak because you're like oh but fixtures are the same for everyone but sometimes when you've just come up if you don't get the points on the ball early yeah i think then it could be interesting as well the type of players they've signed like how if there's like dean henderson alone for man united lingard on a free for man united they've signed nico williams from liverpool and like i know that he didn't play there but he was still at liverpool and when he was alone at fulham last season winning all the pretty much all the time and blowing teams away like it'll be interesting to see how they kind of adapt to being in a situation where maybe they're, they're not winning all the time or winning as often whether that is like a boost to the squad of what we've got these players who've come in from these clubs who are very much we lost that one doesn't matter we're going to win the next one kind of thing that where that is kind of the aim and the attitude not obviously not there's not the aim at other clubs they go oh we lost that one we'll probably lose <laughs> yeah, the next one we're going to go whether it's going to be like that or whether they're going to struggle to adapt to that kind of relegation battler mentality because they just come up that is what they are they are a relegation battler but i think they will be all right because they're riding the crest of a wave and i think some of their signings have been have been good as well awani did well for union berlin so he could quite potentially be somebody who scores them maybe around like 10 goals in the season if lingard goals are really important for any team that comes up because that's what let fulham down when they got relegated last time they were the 13th best defense by the end off because they had so many clean sheets in the second half but they didn't score anywhere near enough goals to get a win and I feel like you look at teams like Leeds You, I think Leeds is a great example when you reference them they were a team that came up they played uninhibited and yes they may have had games where they got thrashed there's memorable occasions even last season in their second season but then there'd be games where they edged it for free or yeah. goals are important it's, surprisingly it takes yeah. goals to win the game to sound like Michael Owen and if you can score goals then yeah, yeah. and I think that's why it's going to come down to how particularly I want to settles because I think they'll probably be looking for him to be sort of like their main goal getter but like I said Lingard if he can have even like a half season like he had for West Ham when he was on loan there that will probably be be like a, a long way there to, to being enough to keep them up. It's got that beautiful World Cup target as well if he really wants it. Yeah if they really want it yeah. Moving to, from Nottingham Forest who I've got down as relegation battlers and you're going like safe maybe <laughs> it's like it's a nice oh, battle. No, I still to... be relegation battlers. No but, but I get they'll... you're more confident whereas I'm like yeah but that's also yeah. out of hope there is a part of me that's just hoping because I know there's like I find they're like a coin flip with how many I don't know they're going to be a wild card for me but Southampton is where we go now obviously notable sign-ins Mara Aribo and Gavin Bazunu. Bazunu, we're going Bazunu. they finished 15th last season obviously they sort of tailed off as the season went up they're yeah. like Mr. Inc they have some notable results and then it all falls apart and you're like is Ralph going to get sacked etc swings roundabouts repeat cycle press play how do you feel about Southampton this season oh 
I'm worried about Southampton, partly because of just sort of their very much up and down nature over the last couple of seasons where they're, oh, they're actually playing really well. They're a really difficult team to play. They're doing really well. Oh, what? They've lost like six games in a row. How did that happen? Particularly sort of like the signs that they've made. They're very much gambling on young players, which can be difficult. Like there's a lot of players there that they've got either limited top flight experience or no kind of top flight experience. Why do they need so many goalkeepers? I don't understand. I know they, I know Fraser Force is one, but yeah, just right, play three goalkeepers, nobody will know. Maybe they were hoping more people will come buy their goalkeeper because everyone seems to struggle to sign a goalkeeper. I know this from as a Fulham fan and how long it's taken with certain goalkeeper being signed, but maybe they were like, if we hoard all the goalkeepers, people have no deal to come knocking on our door. It just hasn't worked it, out because we've be, signed be, two. Yeah, I just think sort of, yeah, like I said, the, I think Joe Rebo will be a good signing. I think he was a good player for Rangers. And I he, assume he will be Maradona in pre-season. I know you said they yeah, pre-season, it was, but... I mean, it, was a, it was a very good goal. To be fair, I think I think he could be a good signing for them. Southampton, the kind of thing that I can see Parson Hootle being like the first manager to go. Players they've signed aren't necessarily going to have to be in the first team because the players they've already got, so like particularly where they tend to play with kind of like two central midfielders. So you'd assume that'll be Romeo and Ward Prowse, but like Lavia doesn't have that top flight experience he is to the young player. Sekumara as well is a young player. Bazuna, like I know that he's done well on loan in sort of like the championship and League One and stuff, but he's not then I know that he's been quite good for the Republic of Ireland as well when he's played for them. But he's not had that experience it's of being not a guaranteed success player. there's still that yeah. question mark on him we've got around I just I, I partly I kind of feel like they're taking too much of a risk in what they're doing. Like I, I felt the same way a little bit about Crystal Palace last season where they lost a load of players they bought in like Elise, Gallagher on loan, Gay, things like players like that. But they also had enough in the squad, I think, that they could potentially do better. Obviously, they did. I was wrong on them last season. I might be wrong in Southampton this time, but I, was I just wrong feel like Crystal Palace last season. Never forget. Yeah, that's, that's what I that's what I saw happening. But clearly, I was wrong. But I don't know. I just feel Southampton. I'm worried about. They there might still be three worse teams than them in the league. I think. There's definitely one probably in Bournemouth, potentially a second one in Fulham. Don't bite my head off. <laughs> I think it's going to be quite close for that that third one. And I'm worried I would be slightly worried if I was a Southampton fan. I wasn't worried about Southampton. And then you started speaking and everything you said I agreed with. Southampton are one of those teams until they're... It's kind of, mm, I don't want to say this because I know I'm going to... This is going to sound like I'm saying they're going to get relegated and join in sort of your relegation. But, but they're kind of that Burnley energy. There's always something about them that I just expect them to pull them and get themselves Safe. I know Burnley got rid of it, but they did get rid of Sean Dyson. Maybe that was why, but who knows? I don't think that was the case. But it's that sort of energy where everything tells me they should be in trouble, but they always find a way to do enough and have results I don't expect. And yeah, that's where I'm at with Southampton. So if they they finished 15th last season, that's where in my head they finish again. And while their business doesn't blow me away, like I respect what they've done, and I but I get what you're saying when there's question marks over the players they've got and stuff like that. I don't know. I just feel reassured yeah, by I, them. I, I I don't know if they've got like a, a goal scorer as well. Like where sort of the, some of the other teams sort of towards the bottom, even if <laughs> we might be proven wrong and they don't have somebody, somebody in their team that I can look at and go... He's the yeah, potential man who gets like, you double digits. Probably, again, Bournemouth are probably the other one that I would say. Because I know Solanke did well last season, but whether he can translate that to the Premier League, I'm not sure. I guess the same for Fulham, kind of. Mitrovic, obviously. I'm not simplifying this debate but, again. <laughs> but historically for Fulham, he's not scored 
that many, but like you can still kind of see that. Well, they're the main man up front. Like yeah. even like Forrest hoping Owen Owenie will be like Newcastle have got Wilson. Leeds have in theory got Bamford. They've been trying to sign another striker. I feel like they have. They've been linked to Shea Adams, who <laughs> maybe at a certain. I don't know. Like Everton have got Calvert Lewin. If he's fit, Villa have got Watkins and Danny Ings and Palace. They've got like a few people who chip with things. I just feel like for Southampton, like other than Ward Prowse on free kicks and penalties, I just kind of look at it and go like particularly where Broha was on loan last season and he's now gone back. I'm like, who's and even then he didn't score a huge number of goals. I guess Shea Adams (laughs) closed was close to Broja's sort of goals per minute, but then it was like sub appearances and stuff like that. And even then he's now being linked to an exit. So yeah, it just kind of feels like I guess yeah Armstrong is you're hoping that he learned from his first season. Mm, Maybe yeah. Don't know. It just feels very much like where are they where are they coming from? Speaking of teams where you want to know where they're coming from and I know you're gonna make me say things on this but up next is Tottenham who finished fourth last season notable signings Pesuma Richarlison Perisic Jed Sped what are your thoughts on Tottenham Laura my thoughts on Tottenham is everything they've done excites me everything they've done seems like they're gonna move on and it's gonna be great Conte great manager Pesuma solid midfielder Richarlison for all his like that de- you know people Ow. thing he's a shithouse who scores and I mean that has its weight in gold Perisic I mean what can you say the guy is experienced done it all proven time and time again I'm a little bit uncertain about Spence I think he's a bit hit and miss but I will say he came from the greatest academy in the world though obviously he's guaranteed for success Just they bought him from Middlesbrough I didn't know they had the greatest academy in the world you know he's a Motspur bark boy you know it but yeah so I am a, a, like everything says to me that Tottenham will be pushing on from fourth and this is the time for them to shine however for some reason I have this gut feeling that says it's Tottenham and maybe fourth is as going to be despite all of that you're going lads it's Tottenham yeah pretty much I don't know what it is everything in my head says back Tottenham to do well this season they're definitely going to finish higher than Arsenal or stuff like that but then another part of me is going Laura no Arsenal will finish higher no it's just going to happen and it's going to be same old Tottenham all hype and no delivery and I just feel so bad because logically I don't know why I have this horrible gut feeling and you can tell me I don't know what it is but are you thinking Tottenham are going to do well because everything says yeah. they suggest they're going to yeah I, I am I think because of the reasons that you gave for why they would do well that's that's basically why I think they'll do well just without the other stuff like about the gut feeling I'm, I'm, no I don't, I don't have that gut feeling that they're gonna like do terribly if anything I have the feeling that they're actually gonna do a lot not a lot better I think they will probably be the closest to Liverpool and Man City because of the signings that they've made because Conte is such a good manager and because in Kane and Son they just have two players who like they just score goals even when they shouldn't score goals they do kind of the other teams at the top are kind of go okay you're gonna make loads of really good chances and Haaland's gonna score Salah's gonna score Nunez is gonna score Mahrez is gonna score or for Chelsea now I guess Sterling's gonna score I'm sure other people will score for Chelsea or potentially for Arsenal Jesus is gonna score like because you make good chances Tottenham I could look at them and they could be doing terribly in a match but I still go well Son's gonna cut in from the left and he's gonna bend it into the top corner from 30 yards because they they just consistently do that like the two of them just so consistently score more goals than they really ought to I think when you tie that to the the new signings they've made to improve their squad like Richarlison like Bissouma like Perisic to help at wing back uh I just think they are going to be better I think I I will see how Spence does 
I think it's quite a big move and particularly where it doesn't sound like Conte especially wanted him probably more because Conte seems to like signing experienced players like he's he has he has bought through like younger players like no, Bastoni he and he's people to his wing backs and that but yeah it's kind of more sure like yeah it just just been to see what happens there so that's that's probably like the one area of the squad that I would say is potentially a weakness is like the the wing back areas because it seems as though he's maybe not massively keen on Regulon, even though Doherty did better under him. I still don't think he's like a top level wing back. But then again, he won the league with Victor Moses and Marcus Alonso. Yeah. So and then he's talking of Lucas wants... Moura maybe converting to wing back. If anything, it seems to be like he's given himself all the wing back options in the world because he's not overly confident. Yeah. <laughs> so if but, one yeah, work, he's got another. Richarlison very much strikes like. Conte type of player he's going to be very scrappy but he's also a good player and he gives them that kind of that depth they didn't have before if Son's injured he can play in one of those positions if Kane gets injured he can play up front and while he's not going to do the same things as Kane he's another option for them up there which is something they've got yeah they've still got Kulosevsky who was obviously brilliant for them last season when he came in and now that Conte's had you know a pre-season and that half season to work with them I think they'll be better the one thing that I guess makes me kind of go "Mm, not maybe sort of like the the thing that might not ruin it for them but make it more difficult is that Conte doesn't have the best record in Europe particularly the Champions League because I think he very much likes to have like a full week almost with the players to work with them in training. So when he's denied that, whether they'll be as effective and as good, who knows? We'll have to see. But yeah, I think they'll they'll do it. Also as well, like I kind of feel like they have to do really well this season because if they don't, not that he'll be sacked, but he will. Depending on how bad he does, actually, there's he'll, a certain point. He'll, he'll he'll he will his temper will flare up and. He will want to leave. Oh, there's that too. Yeah, we get that vibe from Conte. Like people used to say for Mourinho, he's like he's got three seasons. It's a three season cycle. It very much feels the same the same way for Conte that he's got like a limited shelf life for each club because of how demanding he is and what he wants. Yeah, that he, it ends up with him not getting it from the board or the players or something like that, and he's unhappy and it kind of goes tits up. I don't think that'll happen this season, but I think it could happen the year after. Maybe that's why I have the gut feeling. I just look at Conte. <laughs> going I feel something boiling within you sir maybe that's maybe. what I'm picking up on well, but I think that's the thing like he got he's kind of for the most part got what he wanted this summer yeah like they spent money out of they nowhere bought. you just feel like Tottenham have done the most anti-Tottenham thing which makes you want to change yeah they've venue. gone out and they've actually strengthened quickly squad. yeah I think I think I think third for Tottenham well I'm gonna go mm, I'm gonna say fourth right. but then I'm gonna put an asterisk that going if they finish 10th I told you I had this feeling <laughs> Yeah, with uh, West Ham now. So, seventh last season. Obviously, a fantastic run in Europe that didn't end with a trophy, but oh so close. How are you feeling about them? Notable signings. Obviously, got a new Italian striker through the door in Scamacca. Gianluca Scamacca. I think it's Scamacca anyway. Scamacca. I was going to say, it's like a K sound, isn't it? It's the last moment. Scamacca down. I would mention the new centre-back they've signed, but he's already injured. (laughs) So. And also, you don't want to attempt his name. There's also that. Aguard? Again. Again. But yeah, how you feel about West Ham? I feel like their business hasn't been done as quick and swift as I would have liked if I was a West Ham fan, particularly. I do feel like they're still a bit short in places. And maybe after ha- having such a good season last year, you thought they would have probably acted quicker and to move on. Because seventh is great. And they'd probably take that again now if you offered it to them. But you also feel like you want to see progress. And I feel like they've earned yeah, the right I think, progress. I think you're right. I think that's probably what is most 
most frustrating for them is that they haven't strengthened from a position of strength. I think they've done well to get a striker in because they desperately needed one. Like, otherwise, they've just got Antonio and that's not enough for a season. He's a, not, again, not fragile, but he's not always going to be You have to manage fit. his injuries. There's a reason why when he went for international duty with Jamaica that West Ham sent his, their physio with him. Yeah, and I just think as well, if you've got European football, you don't want to just be relying on one striker all season. You want to be able to bring someone else in. I think Skamaka's he's got a good reputation. He's a good player. I just, we're at West Ham and strikers. It's always just weird. It's a curse. You know? There's some sort of curse. Yeah. There's so many. Isn't right. it something like they've signed? It's like a big number, and like out yeah. of them, and like ten percent have never scored like, a goal or something. Yeah, they've just... between they've probably scored like thirty goals or something yeah, like it's... that. Insane. So it's, yeah, and I'm not sure where that's because the strikers just haven't suited Premier League or West Ham or they've come in at times when they've not been doing particularly well. And they've had good but, games through the door. I mean, you look at Allah before uh, and after yeah. West Ham. Yeah. What was that about? Yeah, where the Skimaka goes on that list of, well, he was highly rated and good before he lived with PSG. I think he scored around like 15, 16 goals for Sassuolo last season. I think it would just be interesting to see how much he plays, like whether they put him in as like, okay, yep, you're, you're the starting striker now. Or whether it they go to like a two up top with him and Antonio, or sort of like exactly what I mean, happens. Antonio I'm not being sure. the most versatile player I've ever seen in the Premier League probably will help to me because that was the other thing with West Ham. I always find that they sign these strikers, they hype them up, but then they don't fully trust them to do the job. So then sort of try to ease them in, but don't ease them in enough. It's kind of like Allah. He was never like he's your long run of games. To me, it was always like on the shoulder that he's going to be subbed out for Antonio or dropped off or not start that. It's just I don't know. It might just be basing it on Allah but because I'm trying to think of other examples but it was always a case of like they sort of dip their toe in the water without fully committing and sometimes you need to see how they go longer than one season like they need that season of settling and then you might see the best of them yeah rather than everyone jump on them say they're a flop and out they go yeah no I think that's potentially something they need to look out for I think it's also just making sure that they have time to just adapt to the team and make sure you're using them in the right way because I feel like West Ham have probably been guilty of that particular strikers more than other teams have like I think there's been a big shift in terms of like recruitment and things like that for a lot of top level teams um by top level I generally just mean like consistent top flight teams rather than the, the elite like the super league clubs I mean, it's kind of like when Liverpool signed Benteke or Andy Carroll and they were players that yeah. were, but they and, didn't see yeah. what you wanted from them like, on the start yeah, of play they were never like, going to exactly be like that. that was a well that was Brendan Rodgers deciding to do that and that was a complete change of tact from what like his system was before or what what was there the previous year just because he's a good striker doesn't mean he's a good striker for you exactly exactly. and like there's been like a big change of that I think that a lot of those teams now are going okay who is available that actually fits to what we want our striker to do what we want our midfield to do which again I think is part of the reason that despite all the clamour from some Liverpool fans sorry to bring this back to Liverpool but for them but we need a goal scoring midfielder we need a creative midfielder but that's not the function of that midfielder within the team yeah. you could sign you could have signed Martin Odegaard or you, you could fit. sign he's putting the wrong pieces exactly. of the puzzle exactly. in the jigsaw that you have available exactly you can't and force that's, and that's the when things go wrong in a round yeah. hole and sometimes that's exactly. probably what West Ham's striker issues over the years have come to yeah just that it's been very oh well, this guy's had a really good season in Germany or France or Italy bring him in we'll stick him up front they'll score goals for us well no because that's not how the, other, the other pieces of the team aren't there yeah. His strength I, is in the air. 
So what we're going to do is play it to his feet. I've, yeah. I've seen this with Mitrovic under like Parker when it was like, let's switch to just passing it to his feet. Right, this is a guy who thrives yeah. with the ball in the air. Why or, would or you hamper going, him like this? Yeah. Oh, well, they're a big lads. So they must be good in the air when actually they thrive on those balls in behind or having the ball played into feet to drop deep and link play. Like things like that. I think they could probably have strengthened a bit more they from still got time but it feels a bit yeah. last minute again and i don't like that yeah. of West Ham. it always feels like west ham have this thing where they're like linked to a lot of players oh they're going to totally get them and then you see them sign one by one for all the other teams and then you're like so who are west ham actually yeah. <laughs> i was gonna say they could maybe do with another midfielder another defender but i guess they signed flynn down so i guess they're hoping to bring into the team as a midfielder so rice and suchek i would imagine would very much be the starting pair they're always quite a light squad i don't know if that's a moy's preference in recent I think maybe partially like squad... I don't particularly had like a big squad at Everton but maybe that's more like financial restraint and things like that but I think very much the conference league until they get to the knockouts which I think they should do he'll probably play like a massively rotated team with the backup players or the youth team players in, in that to get them through and then start playing the first team I, th- I think they should probably end up particularly now that they've got a striker in who can rotate with Antonio who I think should in theory should do well but we'll see how he adapts I think they should find themselves in a similar place in the table I'm expecting a similar place whether that's last position season. lower or position I don't see them as it stands yeah, I, moving on I can't yeah, I can't I say I'm confident like better than seventh because everyone yeah, else is strengthened and I'm not I would still say I don't think they've got enough in the squad to, to push into the top six or higher um, but I think they, they should be more than capable of staying around seventh, eighth, something like that. If they get in maybe another a couple more players for a bit more depth, I think that will help them. Probably more so in midfield slash defence, I think, will probably be where they should be looking, I would say. Just because I think a few of their defenders either maybe not injury prone, but they've sort of had knocks or they're coming back from a knock or things like that. Or they've sort of maybe not got sort of the best options like if Cresswell is injured I guess it's Ben Johnson who did they did reasonably well for them last season but other than that it would be Arthur Masawaku which I, I don't think is a position that m- left many has he yeah left he's gone <laughs> he's gone well even, <laughs> even more so then they he's gone I mean, he's at Besiktas now even more so need another left back because Ben Johnson's versatile but he's then covering both positions really and unless you sort of shift Craig Dawson out to right back which he's played before then you're kind of but you don't want to get weak. in that situation when you're trying yeah, to you're move on into Europe you're yeah. having to shift people around yeah. to cover injuries unless you absolutely like unless like a massive crisis where you've got well we've lost three centre backs and a right back so now Craig Dawson has to play at right back and Declan has to go back into defence, for example, something like that. I think they could do with they could do with a little bit more. But equally, I think the main thing for them was signing a forward to ease the burden, Antonio, and they've done that. We're gonna move on to the final team of the preview and finish off part two, and it's a doozy because we're gonna be talking about Wolves, who finished tenth last season with the notable signing of Nathan Collins. Tommy, I feel like you might have some views on Wolves. Yeah, I'm. I'm quite. I'm quite down on Wolves. I just think they didn't score a lot last season. They weren't overly creative, like in terms of you know that they should have scored loads of goals, but they didn't because other goalkeepers always had worldies or their strikers just didn't finish properly. I think Pedro Neto being fit, if he stays fit, will help them with that because I think he's a very good young player. But I don't know. And I also feel like Jose Saab had the season of his life last season. And I just don't... Seasons of your life can you generate in... (laughs) 
<laughs> exactly. I just, I just, I think there's just going to be a drop off. They weren't particularly good at attacking. I think defensively they were kind of not saved, but they, they were made probably to look slightly better by virtue of Saar performing out of his skin. And I just kind of think that those, like, there's nothing to suggest that that will continue. Like everything kind of reverts to the norm after a little while. Like unless you are a truly elite performer, they're a statistic like, anomaly. Is basically what you're saying. And if they, yeah. To, to be in the like, same I, position again, they're going to have to defy the odds and statistics and everything yeah, that says exactly. they should be. And I think as well, sort of like the signings that they've made. So, okay, they've bought in Nathan Collins and they've kept Huang around for longer. But like, they need to him do more. Has, yeah, Jimenez hasn't been the same since he had his injury, which and is understandable. Now he's got another injury. Who, who, who is scoring the goals for them? Who, like, I, I don't see Huang He Chang being somebody who's going to score 10 goals a season. Pedro Neto might if he stays fit but he's not a, That's a, a lot number to nine. put on him yeah exactly particularly coming back from like such a bad injury I don't think they'll get relegated because I think there will be three teams worse than them I can see them being 15th 16th something I, like that potentially I definitely couldn't see them being dragged into the relegation battle like but I feel like it could be that sort of like Brentford relegation battle where you're like oh are they gonna be pulled into it are they and then they just do enough to get out like for a little while it looks like they might be yeah. but then they do like they pick up a couple of wins and they keep themselves far enough away then they weren't properly in it yeah so but in they hindsight were... you're like they weren't in it but at the time you are starting like yeah they, like... they were probably closer to it than they would have liked to be yeah it's kind um... of like teasing it it's like a tease but without being in it because i think they would have wanted to do more business obviously the window is still open and they might just be late moving for the because they have missed out on targets because i know they wanted Polina or fulham they were heavily linked. Yeah. That was meant to be on the cards and that collapsed. Well, of they were linked to Portuguese. Yeah, of course. I mean, there's also just that. But maybe the Portuguese, Portuguese players are like, you know what? We don't fancy Wolves anymore and that's really hit them. But no, it, it does seem like they should have been doing more business. I don't know what their financial situation is like. Um, They always seem to overspend on players i say that just because fabio silver's price tag lives rent free yeah. in my mind they've never been scared to spend and then you've questioned how much they've spent on certain players because even nathan collins it felt like a big deal for nathan collins though he is solid yeah i feel like that's kind of the the, the going rate for somebody like that who yeah but it's still a bit like but it still feels like it feels like a lot for like what yeah. you see sometimes 20 mil can get you but you just feel like Wolves should have done more. I I do rate their manager. He does seem a bit more like gun ho, which is kind of nice. But then also for someone that's so like more fluid and attacking, you're like look like you've pointed out his options. Where's the goals? Like for a team that seems to want to push forward, I don't see where the goals are. I think Jimenez's injury is quite a big blow. I know he didn't have the best season last year, but you were just hoping that season under his belt, after such a serious yeah. injury, and this would be... He's still, on. like, a focal point for yeah. an attack, which, outside of that, they don't really have. I think if I if I was a... I, if I was a Wolves fan, I probably wouldn't necessarily be worried. I'm probably more frustrated than anything else. Yeah, that, because like, you're like, what, what's the direction of the club? Came back up, and then there's not been any kind of like push or development on that. Like, there's been no sort of like real sort of like advancement in, the, in sort of like their, their playing style or the personnel or things like that. It's a very similar squad to I think when they came up, other than a couple of changes here and there, and or not when they came up their first sort of like season in the Premier League. And I'd be a bit frustrated by that i think not necessarily concerned because like i said i think they i think they, they have will enough to stay out because, of yeah their defense I think, will be good enough to and solid enough 
15 seems like a fair shout of you, so I'd probably agree with that. Something like 15th around there, probably. Anyway, on that cheerful ending to the uh, podcast, that that was our preview all done. Obviously, we hope the season goes well for all supporters out there, you know. Especially you, you know who you are. Yeah, to be fair, there's a certain team where I'm like, boo. I'm not saying boo words, but you get the point. But anyway, thanks for joining us for part two. If you haven't checked out part one, because you apparently like to work backwards in the alphabet, go check out part one now. And also, their team was in the second part of it, and that's why they were listening to this part rather than part one. Maybe I don't care about listening to Brighton chat. I'm not a Brighton fan, I'm a Nottingham Forest fan. They're like, Brighton, who cares about them? Nottingham Forest. Maybe we sneak in Forest chat about Brighton, you don't know. We might say bad things, you need to go check it out. (laughs) But also, while you're there, why not check out Season 1 of Football Beef, where we thrash out all those baits regarding football legends such as Beckham, Shearer, Robin, Cahill and Michael Owen. And while you're at, you should follow us on Twitter at BuzzFootball, where you can find out our FPL league to boot and really put your knowledge to the test and see how bad we are at predicting and stuff like that say goodbye I'm not everyone bad predicting. the players just let me down <laughs> goodbye everyone just have tommy right now team